everybody. I'm going to kick right into it. We're continuing on the series that we've been working on called Basic. And for those of y'all who haven't been around for this series or don't recall or whatever, it's, I thought it would be a good idea to have a series that just hits on the basic points of the Christian faith. Uh, points of the Christian faith that uh, for many theologians and for many uh, biblical scholars would say that if someone is a Christian, they are going to confess or subscribe or believe these things. And there's a lot of different uh, uh, additional stuff or supplemental stuff within certain Christian traditions, and those are more than fine, especially when they're backed up by Scripture. But for this series, I just want to get the bare basics down because we are living in a world where it is very naive or very uh, uh, wishful thinking to think that when we reference the Christian faith to someone else or someone in passing, that they think or that we believe that they are thinking or believing the same thing that is actually the Christian faith. And in many circles, that's more and more becoming watered down and diluted to where the Christian faith now in many places looks more like how great you are instead of how great Jesus is. And see, this is just kind of a, a it's, it's, it's easy to do. It's easy to curve back in on ourselves and to look for ourselves as the hero of our life and the hero of the story. Because if you go into popular anything, movies today, and it's been going, and this is not anything new. It's been a steady beat for quite some time. But a lot of times the moral of the story, or the message of the story, or the hero of story is me. You know, how, you know that actually the love of my life is me. Or, or it's all about me. And the Bible screams that it's all about Jesus. But see, the good news is, is that when the Bible is all about Jesus and the Christian faith is all about Jesus, we quickly find out it's specifically all about Jesus for you. And see, that's a little bit different when we have a faith that instead revolves around the action, behavior, and life of the Christian. We have a faith that revolves around the action and the behavior and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's good news for someone like me. When my life is like this, and all over the place, my emotions, my feelings. One day I really, really believe, and other days I'm like, where are you? And the good news is, is that just like the scripture is, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has promised to be faithful even when I am faithless. He has promised to never leave me, to never forsake me. And in Christ, those promises are for each and every one who are. And at the end of this service, there's going to be a time that we'll have where we will invite folks forward to where maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never placed your faith in Christ or you don't have faith in Christ or you're not sure. There's going to be a time at the end of this service where we're going to invite you to come forward so we can pray with you and so that we can lift each other up and so that we can tell you the good news about Jesus Christ. And have we and I, we have a confidence that the Holy Spirit will take the hearing of the gospel and will explode faith into the heart of one who needs to believe. And I'm praying right now that the Holy Spirit will move in this place throughout this time. And for those who may be not sure or maybe this is the first time you're hearing the gospel, I take full confidence that the Holy Spirit will 
get to work today. The last, the last uh, uh, message that we had in this series was we, we hit on the Ten Commandments and we explored it and why it was important to touch on the Ten Commandments and the law prior to going into what we're doing next. What we're doing next is we're teasing out the different parts of the creed that I mentioned a few series ago that kind of hit on what it is that it's saying. Then for those of you who don't remember, or even I need to hear it all the time because I, I forget, uh, the creed is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And for, for as far back as some people say at the latest, 3rd century A.D., that has been a creed that Christians through all throughout Christian history have pointed back to or recited or who believe that, hey, this is, this is what we're going with. Why does the creed follow the Ten Commandments? Answer, the commandments are written on the hearts of all people by virtue of their creation. They reveal our sin and prepare us to receive gifts of salvation confessed in the creed. The commandments teach what we ought to do, but the creed tells what God does for us and gives to us. Romans 2.15 says, They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Romans 3 verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Verse 21 through 22. But now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. And that's good news, too, because that means that anyone can believe, faith, believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to be from this family. You don't have to be from that family. You don't have to be from that country, or you don't have to be from that country. You don't have to have this lineage or that lineage. In Christ, all are invited to have faith in him. That is wonderful news. That's wonderful news because when you think about the history of the world and the way human beings have interacted with one another, we are very tribal. We are very we stick to what we believe. We stick to where we come from. We are with our neighbors and all this stuff. And, well, who is our neighbor? And, da, da, da. and Jesus comes up and says, everyone. And that is different, too, because it's, it points to whom God loves. Who is God's beloved? The world. Everyone. Even the ones who don't think that God loves them, especially them. And that's something that's, and this is going to be law because I need it. I need to hear it. How do I need to be better at 
treating people instead of my enemy or treating people instead of as my opponent or treating other people as someone who is against me, but treating other people as someone whom Christ died for because that's who they are. What is the creed? Answer. The creed summarizes all of God's work in creation and human history as taught in the Bible. Can we learn about God apart from the Bible? To some extent, we can learn about God as our creator. Creation witnesses to God, his goodness and his power. The human conscience also witnesses to God and his righteousness. One simple study of some weird, strange animal that's so that in order for it to exist or thrive, it must have this other, other plant or other something. And if they, those two things that weren't in existence, neither of them would exist. That alone screams something planned that. Someone planned that. I mean, our, our one body alone, one human body alone, the intricate detail inside and out of one person. It, 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 I remember reading someone saying that to not believe there's not a creator behind all of this is like as if finding a Rolex watch on the sands of, the, of a beach right where the waves are kicking it in and thinking that the waves created that watch. It's like, no, look at it. It's perfect timing. It's perfect precision. It's perfect entry detail. And just one person has far more detail and design in it. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Acts 14.17, Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Romans 1.20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. A quick note, the witness of creation and the conscience can be called natural revelation and is distinguished from the special revelation of God in Scripture. Then why do we need the Bible or a summary of the Bible, such as something like the Creed or something else that summarizes belief? Answer, Although creation gives witness to its creator, it does not reveal his identity and name. In some ways, creation gives us the first chapter of the story. The Bible teaches us to know God more fully and for our salvation. Why does the creed begin with the word, I believe? Answer, the English word creed comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. A creed is a statement of faith, a statement of what I believe. To say I believe is to, is to say what God has done for me. I am convinced that God has made me, redeemed me, and satisfied me. See, that's something that's also very fascinating about the Christian faith. It's not some idea over here. It's not something that God did over here and it's just a story we can read. He did it for me. He did it for you. It was specifically done and on purpose. Not a story that we can read about and just move on to something else. It's a story that we can read about us, what our Creator has done for us. That is a wonderful, wonderful gift. Because did God have to give us this? No, He's God. Because of who we are, God owes us nothing. 
But because of who he is, he gives us everything. Everything. What does the word Trinity mean? Answer, it means three in one. The church has used the word Trinity to maintain the Bible's witness that the Father, Son, and Spirit are three distinct persons and yet are one God. This is the greatest mystery of the Christian faith. The Trinity can be found in verses like Matthew 28, 19, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. What distinguishes the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from one another? In relationship to one another, they, have this, they are distinguished by their interactions with one another. The Father begets the Son from eternity. The Son is begotten of the Father from eternity. The Holy Spirit from eternity proceeds from the Father and the Son. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I love that will not, that shall not. It doesn't leave, well, maybe, no, no, they will not perish, but will have everlasting life. John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, this is Jesus speaking, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will bear witness about him. The Holy Spirit points us to Christ. The Holy Spirit makes much of Christ. If you're in a position where you feel like the Holy Spirit is making much about you, you're not hearing the Holy Spirit. That's a different voice that says, yeah, Zach, you, you run the show. You are this. Look at all the great things you can have. Look at all the wonderful fame and fortune you can have if you just do this and do that and do that. And then I go around saying, God told me. The Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus. He will make me decrease and he will make Christ increase. The goal of, of whenever I speak is not for people to walk away saying, oh, Zach is great. The goal is for people to walk away saying, Jesus is great. He is great. Listen to what Jesus has done for me. Look at what Jesus has done for everyone. I can't remember who the theologian was, but on their tombstone or what their desire or their wish was to live, be, die, and be forgotten and let all that remains be Christ. To live, be forgotten, and nothing but Jesus. Don't remember who it was, but they told me about Jesus. That's the idea. That's the goal. But I, I want to be, I, I, I want to live. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in faith, the life that I now live in flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved and gave himself for me. Romans 8, 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. In the relationship to us, they, the Trinity, are distinguished by their works for us. The scriptures ordinarily speak of the Father as creating us, the Son redeeming us, and the Holy Spirit sanctifying us. That's good news, too. I'm not sanctifying me. The Holy Spirit is. It's his work. It's his show. It's his pay grade. It's not mine. Well, that'll, 
That would make chains fall off right there. For Christians, when you tell them that it is God's job, he is the author and finisher of your faith. He is the one that is doing the work in you. You are the passive recipient of what he is doing. It's all his show. Galatians 3, 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What unites the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is one God. In the relationship to one another, the three persons find their unity as one divine being called God. The Father, Son, and Spirit are alike almighty, alike creator, alike redeemer. Note, for this reason, we can pray to any of the three persons of the Trinity. In the relationship to us, the three persons find their unity in the Father as both the source and goal of their work. Out of love, the Father sends the Son, and together they send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us to Christ, who in turn shows us the Father's love. Galatians 4, 4-6, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's a game changer too. We're not a... We're, we're not a... We're, we're not... Over here on the side, we're not just, okay, come on in, you rascal, you too. We're adopted as sons so that the creator says, that's my boy, that's my girl. And that is a scandal because of who we were to begin with, sinners, enemies of God. But God displays his love in this way, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we were great. Not while we were amazing, not while we, after we cleaned up our act, it was when our act was a mess, when it was a joke that Christ died for us. How much does God want you? He wants you when you were at your worst. And he gave everything of himself when he was at his best for you. He took your worst and he exchanged his best with you on the cross. Justice was poured out on the cross. Justice for the sin of all was poured out and put into the very flesh of the Lamb of God. And all of his righteousness and all of his benefits and all of his everything was then poured into the life of all who are in him. When he said it is finished, he meant it like that. It's that finished. It's over. The game is over. It's a done deal. The war is over. Note, Trinitarian teaching is often reflected in Christian prayers to the Father in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. I'm going to try to wrap this up real quick. In the article, when it says, I believe in the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, what does this mean? 
It means I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. And this he does only... Only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. The second article, and I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. How did Jesus rescue me from sin? By his death on the cross. The third article. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, he keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. As Christians, we say that the Holy Spirit has made us new creatures by bringing us to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Such faith is granted to our hearts by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel. Will the team come forward, please? There are so many more notes and there are so many more things I want to dive into, but I want leave them begging for more, right? So this will be a this series will this particular passage will be part two because I really want to get into the details of what some of this stuff means. Because it is so good. And it has set me free.